0: You are listening to the Self-Made Babe podcast with your co-hosts, Danny Fountain and Lola Gilbert, who dive deep into the psychology and strategy of starting a business. Here is the place where we get real with you, talk about the gritty parts of business that make us cry, and cut out the bullshit. We're ready to talk about how the hell we handle the day-to-day when life gets hard. Take our hands, join in conversation and get real support as you build your empire because you're a self-made babe. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feeds or iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram at selfmadebabe babe podcast. All links are in the show notes. Now, let's get into the show.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Self Made Babe Podcast. Today, we are here with our very first babe dude. His name is Joey, and he is an attorney for creatives, and he totally used to wear that suit and tie lawyer costume to the office, and as a litigation attorney, he was always in the middle of conflict, which, as you get to know Joey over the course of this episode, was not a great fit for him. After he graduated law school, he totally felt stuck in a career that would limit his creativity, so he did as we do branched out on his own, and now has a law firm of his very own, where he gets to travel, have coffee with creatives, and chat with all kinds of amazing people doing talented things. Thank you so much for being on, Joey.
2: Hey guys, what's up? (laughs) Hi!
1: Oh goodness, so just so that the audience has a pretty good understanding of what you do, do you want to give us a brief overview um, of a little bit about your group and what you do in your business so that they know it's up?
2: Sure. So I am an attorney for creatives and particularly creatives who have a bit of an independent streak. So who are going against the grain in some way with their business. So I work with all types of creative small businesses and entrepreneurs, And really what my law firm does and what we specialize in is creating a foundational layer of legal protection around your passion. So um, and we'll get more, I guess, into kind of like my story and how I came up with it and everything like that. But the the idea is that I love working with people who are just past that hump of hobbyist or kind of startup mode and they're now getting in the sales and stuff and they need those layers of protection. They don't need a really you know, complicated, big law attorney to come in and give them a whole bunch of 100 page contracts to work with. <laughs> but they just, they just need to know kind of what to prioritize, especially given their needs, but also their mindset of where they're at.
1: So good. And I think the biggest thing that is most interesting to me is you are still, or you just celebrated your first year in business, um, but you're setting up your business in a way that's a little different than the other attorneys for entrepreneurs that we've seen. Um, Talk to us about your pricing model and how cool it is.
2: Well, so yeah, so I, my law firm has existed for about a year, but mostly that was kind of a shell things so that I could do independent contractor work for other attorneys and so the pricing model that I have now it's only been around for about four or five months and so what cool. it is is it's a 12-month subscription plan slash payment plan and so it's a it's a year-long relationship where I'm in your back pocket um, I, I have a growing Facebook group where I I provide answers to kind of quick questions that are um, just general information, but I can't give any specific advice because I'm not their attorney. So with this subscription plan, we wrap that client-attorney relationship around what we're doing so I can give you specific answers. And as long as I don't have to do additional research to figure out what that answer is, that's included as a part of the subscription. And then in addition to just kind of being on call for those questions, I prepare between what I call four and 12 basic documents for you and your business. And that could be you know, independent contractor agreement, that could be a non-disclosure agreement, that could be a, an actual you know, trademark application uh, to the federal level. It really depends on where your business is. We take a look at the very beginning, prioritize what your needs are, and then use up those basic documents in the wisest way possible.
1: So from a marketing perspective, you know that I'm totally fascinated, uh, by this pricing model because so often we see, uh, I as a small business owner need this one agreement. So I go out and I seek an attorney and the attorney tells me that it's going to be the price. We do the one document and that's kind of it. Um, because we tend to not be in a place for big law, like you've talked about, but this method I still get my one document or four documents or 12 documents, but I also get support for a whole yeah. year. So you build from a marketing perspective that no like and trust factor that we as marketing strategists drive into our clients at every corner. You've literally built that into your business model, like all along the way.
2: Yeah. And- it's, it's, it's been really, really interesting. And it, it- you're right, it does kind of unintentionally provide that um, kind of comfort and and trust automatically around it. Um, The thinking originally was really two things. One, I wanted to balance valuing my services as an attorney with the realistic budget of a creative. And Mm -hmm. so price-wise, I wanted to make it so that it you know, I wasn't undervaluing my time, but I was also not pricing out my target market. And That's then smart. The, the second component to it was that a, a lot of attorneys and, you know, b- business owners in general are, are trying to create a, pr- a product around what was once a service. And I did a lot of experimenting last year and realized that even though I didn't want to be a traditional attorney... I, I love the service of being a lawyer. And so I didn't want what I was doing to lose that one-on-one relationship.
1: So for a law guy, you have a pretty firm grasp on marketing. And for a new entrepreneur, you have a pretty firm grasp on business. Tell us a little bit about where that came from.
2: <sighs> well, so a lot of failing quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um. I graduated law school, like, this will probably tell you how old I am. I was a K through JD, so I took no time off between kindergarten and finishing law school. And, which I probably don't recommend to anybody out there, like, (laughs) like live your life and figure out what you want to do. Um, But I finished it all, got a nice job at a law firm that primarily did courtroom litigation, and I realized it wasn't a good fit for me, and the timing was right for me to leave, but I didn't quite know where the next step was, and so I, I've always kind of been like a graphic design and website design hobbyist, um, and so I, I liked the the startup community. So I started doing some legal stuff for startups, and quickly learned. I, I felt like I had to read every single marketing book out there, and so I <laughs> I, read, I read a ton, and it was all conflicting with each other, and so I didn't know where to move, and then. Um, A a similar thing happened when I started the business and I was like, okay, well, what do I do as a business owner to get started? And I felt like there was just information overload in terms of just how am I gonna start acting? And luckily I met a a woman who lived in St. Louis right before I left St. Louis, who is uh, kind of like an old school mentality sales mentor. And it's been invaluable. Um, she's fantastic. And I, I know that she's not the only person out there, but it's so helpful to invest in someone who can create a plan for you and then just holds your head straight and just tells you to move. Because I think if you don't have that, it's so easy to start. And then you see, see oh, like there's, a, there's another app that I could use for a marketing calendar. Let me try that and see what happens. And it's just really easy to get distracted.
1: So when I'm hearing from you, totally goes against the norm that we're taught as an entrepreneur. We're taught that we don't deserve, for lack of a better word, a business coach until we're more established in business. But you essentially hired a business coach at day one. Was that by accident? Was it just because you met her, or was there some strategic thought there?
2: So the, I mean, yeah, I I won't get romantic or nostalgic about it. What happened was I was working on this um, project with a couple other attorneys, and while I was doing that, I heard about this woman who had this kind of presence in St. Louis. But I heard that she only worked with women, and I was like, well, awesome. and so I I kind of just didn't even initiate the conversation for a while and then the day that I decided to lead that project I heard that she was working with men and so the next morning we had a meeting and I was the first kind of attorney for creative small businesses that she had talked with. So she got really excited because she was like finally someone that I can start referring work to. And then I was like, well, I'm thinking it'll be a subscription plan and it'll be this much a month. And she was like, that's way too expensive. And then I said, well, yeah, but it's going to include all this stuff. And she said, that's way too much stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I never would have thought to do it, but man, I, I also never would have thought that I could have closed $1,000 in a month on a subscription model, meaning that once I close those, I can know that I have uh, you know that $1,000 coming in every month for the next 12 months, and what I get the next month just is stacked on top of it, and it, it, the, the, the money invested in that relationship quickly uh, made it worth it.
1: And I think that's the one thing that all of us who've ever worked with a business coach say, right? We all say, oh, working with a business coach has been one of the most invaluable experiences of my business life. We just wait so long to do it. So I love that you did it so early on, (laughs) even if by accident.
2: Yeah, well, and too, like, something that I'm finding, and I'd love to talk with you more about it if it's something that you think is interesting, but I have learned that I... I used to think of myself as an entrepreneur, but I'm really not like I I'm in this space now and I'm doing what I'm doing and I can never imagine like starting another business or like having multiple like having multiple like streams of income and you know residual income come through the door like it isn't really something that I'm interested in. I'm not really here to because of like my love for like the business game. I really love my craft, and I just want to create a sustainable business around it.
1: I think, so let's touch on this, because you know that this is one of my things. Um, The word entrepreneur, right, by definition, and in the historic sense of the word, is a human being that Starts a business, builds a business, sells a business. Starts another business, builds another business, sells another business. And that is their career. Their career is starting, building, and selling businesses. Mm -hmm. And we as small business owners, we don't do that. We're, that's most of us are in it for the craft, right? Yeah. Rather than for the starting, building, and selling of businesses. Um, so it's interesting that you don't call yourself an entrepreneur because technically none of us are.
2: That's interesting. <laughs> which is, yeah,
1: which is too funny. So I like that you're on the same wavelength there. Awesome. So I have one more question for you, and it might be the hardest one. Okay. Uh, before I toss it over to Lola. <laughs> And that is, so you've built a business with a cool business model. You've made a name for yourself. You have a Facebook group that y'all, I think last time I checked, has like 4,000 people in it. We're Um, just a
2: few members shy of 4,000. I actually put a, uh, I posted in the group and I was like, guys, I really want to be able to tell these ladies that I have 4,000 people, but I'm nine people shy. Can you (laughs) give me some love? Let me see. Let me do a little refresher here.
1: I think you're still at thirty nine ninety one, but we're going to call it four thousand because by the time this episode goes live, uh, I'm a, I'm a you'll a be Thirty nine ninety four. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like you've you've achieved all of this in your first year, or by your definition, your first five months, because that's when this subscription model took place and you actually started building it. Um, what do you see as your biggest struggle going forward?
2: So. Right now, the struggle that I'm seeing is um, taking this and um, maybe let's see if you, I tend to take long pauses when I'm thinking, and let's see how good you are at taking out those long pauses in the podcast. <laughs> um, but for me, it's uh, returning back to working in my business. Um, Another lesson that I learned the hard way last year was you can create the most beautiful business ever that where like the client experience is great but if you don't have any clients it doesn't matter. And so I really focused on you know letting people know about this and I had a very lean kind of client management process and now that I'm getting more I know that I have to build out those systems and make it more manageable so that the clients that I have continue to really enjoy and value the service and the experience
1: and like mad props to you I'm totally gonna throw it out here but y'all this guy has been in business five months by his definition and he has clients like twiggy posts like how (laughs) cool is this guy so
2: crazy folks is amazing
1: <laughs> Jana is the shit just saying
2: she's so, so awesome
1: i'm gonna toss it over to lola now because i asked you all the cool business questions uh but lola's gonna ask you the questions that hit where it hurts and so i'm gonna let her have fun <laughs> she hates when i say that because that's not what psychology is but she
0: just she makes is. me out to be the monster
2: <laughs> well okay I- i'll say this um I, you know, I, so I listened to your guys' podcast uh, once I heard about it, and it was mm-hmm. awesome, and I was, when I got invited to come talk with you guys, I was so pumped, but, man, the lady who does your intro <laughs> sounds so cool. I love <laughs> And it's neither of you, right? No, it's <laughs> neither of us. Because <laughs> <laughs> after meeting you in person, Danny, I was like, man, I can't wait to talk to Lola. Like, that must <laughs> Must have been her, and then I was like, "Nope, I don't think that was Lola."
1: No, (laughs) no.
2: (laughs) God, that's the coolest
1: person on our podcast. Is the intro?
2: (laughs) You guys did a really good job with that lady.
0: You gotta hook them in the first like thirty seconds, right?
2: Totally.
0: (laughs) Okay, so let's talk a little bit about mindset here. So Danny you talked, uh, you and Danny talked a lot about, um, pioneering this kind of new pricing structure with attorneys for creative entrepreneurs. And I'm wondering how that weighs on you emotionally when you're trying to get, when you're trying to market something that hasn't really been marketed much, um, within your industry, like how are you struggling with that personally? is it, is it just pure excitement or are you hitting a lot of roadblocks when you are trying to market that?
2: Um, it was definitely, um, not comfortable when I started. Mm -hmm. Um, I, because I, you know, so early in the process found someone who was able to kind of show me otherwise. I didn't have that experience of doing a whole lot of stuff for like free and undervaluing myself and then having right. to, to shift. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, whenever somebody was like, Hey, this is cool. I can't afford it, but I can do X for you. There was always that temptation to be like, okay, yeah. Like, let's find a way to get yeah. this together. Uh-huh. And, um, the way that it was explained to me that I think eased a lot of my concerns over it is that, um, I really did price things with my target market in mind. And so it's, it's really meant to be kind of around the 3% mark of what that business is making in revenue for the year, which mm-hmm. means that for them, you know, it's, it's not nothing, but it's something that they don't need to blink three times at before they go forward with the contract. And if they are, then that's a, probably a better sign for both of us that it's not the right timing for them right now.
0: Yeah, 100%.
2: Having that kind of objectivity to the pricing really helped me move forward and not feel like I had to negotiate or feel as bad as much.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of negotiation that goes on with a lot of us when we start, but specifically when you're throwing something so new out there that you need yep. people to get excited about because they haven't seen it before. So they don't have their best friend, Betty, telling them how cool it is because no one's really done it. Um, So so it's so awesome that you were in a place where you felt comfortable with the value of your service.
2: Yeah, and, but I'll add... um. I definitely have been feeling that way Um, and not just about my subscription plans, but last month I did my first ever like workshop webinar Mm -hmm. on kind of a niche issue that a lot of people were asking me and expecting like the free answer, but I didn't know the answer. And so I basically said, okay, I'll do a workshop where you know, it'll be like a one to many thing and Mm -hmm. I'll do the research so that I can give you guys an answer, but it's going to be a hundred dollars. If you want to join the workshop right and before I said the price and this was this was my fault looking back I didn't have all the details ready and so I let my group know like hey guys I'm going to be doing a workshop on this if you're interested like hit the follow (laughs) right follow in the comments and I got hundreds of people saying they were interested and then when I said it was a hundred dollar workshop five people signed up right which is still you know not It it was. It turned out to kind of be worth my time in that space, Um, but I I think especially like the idea of a paid workshop or a paid webinar isn't really something that people are comfortable with. I think at least with me, kind of giving legal services, that's something they can stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I do want to continue doing priced webinars because I think it's it's a better way for me to say, you know, here's kind of a deeper dive into content that takes a while to unpack. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a it kind of replaces what would otherwise be like an hour long phone call consultation with me. Um, but I, I learned that a hundred dollars was too much to ask.
0: Right. And also, I think within the creative space, when it comes to attorneys, um, there's still so many parts of it that are kind of unexplored. Like where you're saying that you need to do more research before you can really like present any information about anything. And like when it comes to maybe Danny about marketing, you know, even though she may need to know a little bit more about your niche and how that works and and those types of things, generally, she can give an audience some some basis of understanding you know what i mean but for you there may be a specific topic that you there just isn't a basis and you kind of need to do more research for that which is where that that fee kind of comes in
2: yep totally yeah
0: yeah so so from my background um as a photographer and my specific community is based for photographers um i think that photographers are especially neglectful of legal things. Um, I see it a lot in my community. I feel like when you're building, um, I don't know how to put it into words, like when you're building a creative um, business, there's kind of like this broad um, game plan, right? Like you need a contract for this and that, and that sort of thing. But when it comes to photographers, oftentimes especially within the first year or two, people are just like, Oh yeah, I'll take $150. Oh yeah. I'll take $200 here. You know what I mean? There's no real like contractual agreement. So then as we grow in our business, we continue to just kind of put it off until someone reminds us that we need it. Um, so how do you make something that can kind of be so unsexy, sexy when it comes to creatives?
2: (sighs) I I think, well, I've got a couple of responses. To that. One is that I, um, the phrase that came to mind did not make any sense as I was about to say it. But I, I mean, I try and cloak the unsexiness with something that is more fun. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, they get contracts or whatever, um, but it's wrapped in us kind of having fun conversations and me being able to communicate the the nuts and bolts of what I'm sending to them in plain English. Um, I will say that uh, there are, I'm learning more and more that, you know, as, as niche as being an attorney for creatives is, that's still a very wide range of business owner. And there are a lot of people who would call themselves creatives who probably wouldn't be a good fit for my law firm. And potentially, Photographers are a really good example of uh, a large group of people who are um, A, they, they might not be at a financial place where they can afford more of a full-on attorney relationship. But B, they um they don't really care. Like they, like they like you can tell them until you're blue in the face that they need a written contract or that you need a contract that's customized for them. Um, But they don't think about the issue until the issue arises. And if I can't create a demand out of that. And so if, 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 if you like part of my whole thing is to give you peace of mind, but if you already have it, like, that's fine.
0: Yeah, 100%. I have to agree with you. When it comes to photographers, we just don't kind of give a shit about the (laughs) business types of things, Yeah,
2: um,
0: which made it so hard for me when I started my community and like organizing education for photographers and those sorts of things, because my brain does not work like that. Mm. I don't think about those things. I don't want to do them at all. And I feel like it's even more extreme than like, um just an entrepreneur not wanting to do bookkeeping or whatever. Like it's just like my brain does not get it and I just don't think about it. Um so so yeah I can definitely see how that would be a struggle to to market to a group of people that just it's not it's not gonna happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean Until so,
1: something happens.
2: Yeah. Like, I, I mean I, the the one thing, not really my services, but the one legal thing that I will continue to get blue in the face about is that I I really do think that every single business owner needs to be an LLC as soon as they can afford it, mm-hmm. um, and there are obvious legal reasons. I mean, you you get to shield your personal assets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I know that you know mindset matters to you, and to me, the whole point of an LLC is mindset. Yeah, because having that peace of mind that you're protected helps, but it also gives you this aura of professionalism, and statistically, like, it does something. I mean, if you look at the amount of businesses that are started, m- most of them are sole proprietors who don't form their LLC, but if, if I mean, the correlations there, if you form an LLC, your chances of being in business longer just yeah. skyrockets.
0: So that is the biggest takeaway advice that you would give to anyone starting a business. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you one more question. So, how have you gotten so comfortable with, based off of Facebook groups that I've been in, it is 90% female, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, where does your comfort come in presenting yourself <laughs> to and kind of connecting with a group that is, I mean, the creative entrepreneur community is probably at least 80% fem- female, if yeah. not more.
2: I'm a, I'm a babe dude.
0: <laughs> so how has that experience been for you? Is it just something you don't even think about, which is totally awesome and cool? Or is it something like, man, I need to go get a drink with my bros because I'm like drowning in estrogen right now? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it, it, it
2: really is something that I'm like, I'm really fine with. Okay. Um, I, I'm one of seven kids, three older sisters, and then the youngest is a girl a Um and and so I've been around women my whole life I've always been I've always had more lady friends than guy friends Um, and
0: I mean we're pretty cool
2: you are pretty cool and (laughs) and, but the other thing that I've realized you know my so there's this weird thing about me where I've always been like super interested in like subcultural people Mm -hmm. even though I'm like I don't have any tattoos or anything, and, like, (laughs) I bleached my hair in the 90s, but that was, like,
0: it. (laughs) You're really extreme.
2: So, but I I love hanging out with people who are, and, like, getting into, like, what makes them, like, passionate in that way, and, and because of, so I'm like that, but I'm not really, like, this is weird to say, but I'm not really, like, attracted to it, so, like, my wife isn't, like, threatened at all in any way by, like, me, like having this following of, of mostly female people, but also, and I think this is what really makes it easy, is that I'm realizing more and more that my target market is not as young as I once thought they were. Um, most of my clients are at least 35, more likely, um, 45 and up. Um, and I, I, I think part of it is that, like, I remind them of, like, their kid or like their nephew <laughs> or something and so there there's just kind of that layer of comfort in us talking that way yeah um and i so so yeah i it's that's a really interesting question and um I, it's really not something that bothers me it, it definitely energizes me and it's thankfully like healthy for everybody involved
0: yeah absolutely Absolutely. 100%. I think it's incredible so many of you, babe dudes, getting involved in the creative community and and lifting us up with you and um, feeling like we have a place to be safe anywhere, you know, to come to an attorney because I feel like that's a pretty male-dominated field. Um, So for us to feel comfortable to come to you and I just, I've been hanging out in your Facebook group just looking around and, and seeing the stuff that's going on in there and it's just, it's incredible. It's an incredible vibe. Even though you know you're at the top of it, but we feel just as welcome and that's such an awesome space to be because you know honestly, you know women don't always feel accepted in every Facebook group mm-hmm. that is run by uh, male specifically. Um, there are photography groups that I could you know speak to that that just don't feel as welcoming. Mm. Um, so it is just incredible that you've built this space where all us can come to and feel safe.
2: I I really appreciate that Uh, especially because I recently changed my group a little bit where I now don't let anybody else post even though Mm -hmm. everybody can you know comment or engage. Yes.
1: That
2: that means a lot that you feel you still feel that sense of engagement and community. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think, I really do think it's an incredible, incredible group. And I find myself going there and like searching keywords if I have a quick question or, or anything like that. And I'm, and this is just me. I've been in the group maybe uh, two weeks or something like that, a week or two. And um, even that soon, it's made a pretty big impression on how I feel about legal stuff. Like as a photographer, it's kind of gross to me, but uh, I appreciate the work that you do.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you.
1: (laughs) Danny, what do you got, girl? girl i don't have anything else you know i'm obsessed with this dude already
2: (laughs) Um, (laughs) oh that was good usually i have like the worst podcast laugh because it's usually silent but that that made noise so that's
1: good no so for y'all in the audience that don't know um Lola and I have literally just met Joey. Joey and I connected through a random Facebook message when he became one of (laughs) the very few people that get to be my friend on Facebook. And we met for what was supposed to be a half an hour coffee date last week. That turned into a half an hour coffee date plus another half an hour coffee date plus an hour of drinks across the street.
2: It was awesome. So,
1: <laughs> basically, what I'm saying is Joey, tell us where to stalk you online because you're about to have a whole bunch of new stalkers.
2: I'm so excited. Uh, man, if we, can, if we can get over that 4,000, my group would be great. So, yeah, the, the website is uh, indiecreativelaw.com. That's indie, like indie film creativelaw.com. You can also type in ask.indiecreativelaw.com for this really cool, almost like an FAQ resource um, where I've centralized uh, and kind of added links to all of my content that I've produced. So if you have a specific question or you kind of want to see what people tend to ask, you can go to that one page and it's a really great resource. Um, But you can also find me um, now on Instagram. Uh, Thanks in part to Danny and Twiggy posts at um, at Indie Creative Law, and uh, the Facebook group is Friends of Indie Creative Law. So if you just search Indie Creative Law in any place other than Twitter or like the the really niche places, you'll just. Does
0: anyone use Twitter anymore? Is that a real thing?
2: I know, right? (laughs) It's so it's so sad.
0: (laughs) I just use it to follow celebrities. (laughs) Oh, dear goodness. Thank you so much, Joey. It's been incredible. It's been a blast.
2: It's been a blast for me. Thanks so much, you two.
0: Yeah.